Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Spin your passion into a business of Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. What's up guys and welcome to the weekly Q&A. Today's video is brought to you by Audible and we'll hear more from them later. Our first question this week comes from Ryan McMahon who asks why raised lightsaber cycles through different colors before igniting. So her yellow lightsaber at the end of Rise of Skywalker is yellow but also other colors? There, there's like a quick flash. I went frame by frame and it's like one frame of green, one frame of blue and then the yellow blade shoots out. Um, I don't think there's really an answer to this. Like, part of me just wonders if it was just, they thought it looked cool, and this is the first time we're seeing kind of the inside of a lightsaber as it turns on. Maybe they all do this. But I like the idea that it's just a subtle little connection to Luke and Leia, Rey's two masters. Luke had a green lightsaber, Leia had a blue one, so it's like the green and then the blue leading into the yellow. I think that's probably all it is. Well, this isn't the first time we've seen a lightsaber being ignited. I'm like saying that we can see kind of the inside workings. Oh. Eh. I don't know. <laughs> Disagree. Okay. Well, what do you think it is, Miss Smarty Pants? <laughs> I don't know. This is not the first that I've heard of this theory, but I had heard other people say that they noticed this in the movie, and I, I don't know. I mean, unless because of the way that her ignition thing works like it's clicking unless there's a way that she can choose between those three colors if not more i think it's just a neat little touch maybe the editors did but maybe it does do other colors i do think that's a cool idea and uh, a way to make the her lightsaber unique because we've never seen one that kind of on the fly can change colors uh I don't know the purpose of that, but other than to be sh showing off. Yeah, really. I think <laughs> it's just a, it's the same reason I continually change my lightsaber and fall in order because sometimes I want a new color. Yeah. I like blue. That's maybe. usually my color, but sometimes I want green. Maybe it's like a mood ring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting. And uh, the original Return of the Jedi comic, uh, when Vader holds Luke's lightsaber, the blade turns red. So, Ooh. like, it used to be kind of like that. Not the case anymore, obviously, but uh, th there could be an element of just raise, like, today I want to use green. And I, I do like just the idea that she uses a yellow lightsaber uh, because it's something we've never seen before in live action. And to me, it's saying that she's going to rebuild the Jedi, but she's going to do it her own way. She'll take inspirations from the past, and maybe what the, that's what the flashes of green and blue mean. But ultimately, she's going to do her own thing. And I, I do like that. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm happy to see her with a new color lightsaber, the first of its kind in live action. 
Elliot wants to know if we agree with Dave Filoni that The Clone Wars is primarily about Ahsoka and Rex. So this is coming from the Clone Wars download. I think they're calling it the the recap series that they're doing on the Star Wars YouTube channel. And Dave said that to him, the main characters of the Clone Wars are Ahsoka and Rex. Uh, I would definitely agree with Ahsoka. If you asked me who is the main character of the Clone Wars, I would say Ahsoka. Agreed. Uh, For Rex, I think I probably, if you were to say... I think that the show is more about the clones as a whole than just Rex. And I think that's probably what Dave means. But Rex is the most uh, present clone, I guess. He's in more episodes than not. Mm -hmm. And we definitely get to see some of the hardships of the Clone Wars through him. Like a bunch of the stuff with Pong Krell is through his eyes. The Bad Batch is pretty much through his eyes. Uh, So, yeah, I I think... I would agree with that. I would still probably say it's about the clones and getting to know their humanity more than just Rex, but... Yeah. And I wonder if if Rex is just Filoni's favorite clone or if he has a different favorite clone. Um, but yeah, it's interesting that like there's two main characters, one being Ahsoka and one Rex. I think that even there's still room for us to feel differently by the end of the Clone Wars. I mean the last episodes are going to be interesting to watch. And then we know that both characters go on to Star Wars Rebels. So that makes Rex even feel more important because he is basically the only clone in Rebels. There are uh, more, but they're just not around as much. Mm -hmm. He's the one that's constantly there from season two and beyond. So yeah, I I think that at the end we'll be like, oh yeah, Ahsoka and Rex are the ones that have like the big arcs. And then sure, Anakin's also a major part of that story. And I think uh, something they wanted to do with the Clone Wars is just show his downfall a little more obviously Mm -hmm. so that the decisions he makes in Revenge of the Sith make even more sense. Mark asks, what happened to Anaxes in between the Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels? So in the Bad Batch arc, uh, the Republic is based out of Anaxes and they're fighting over that one planet for most of it. We see that planet again in Star Wars Rebels, and it's basically been turned into an asteroid field. So what happened? I mean, there's two options. Well, there's more than two, but either it got blown up during a battle or that bomb eventually went off. That's what we were discussing. And I was kind of wondering if they were going to change the arc uh, because they had been doing like little changes here and there. And I remembered there being a bomb in the original story reels. And it's like, oh, now that we know that that planet is in pieces, I thought that maybe that bomb was going to detonate, but it doesn't. Um, But it could still be there. And maybe it goes off later, which I don't know. I'm kind of surprised they didn't uh, offer up an explanation. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, maybe the bomb was still just there and there was some kind of attack and... Something exploded, therefore causing the bomb to explode, and now it's in pieces. That's I, I want that to be true, I guess, that just <laughs> kind of that uh, if you show a gun in Act 1, it has to go off in Act 3. Uh, I, Chekhov's gun. This is Chekhov's bomb. <laughs> and yeah. So like It's there. In it's... my head, <laughs> I guess for some reason the Republic never removed the bomb, and then maybe it just went off. Uh that that makes the most sense to me. Yeah, not 
Just like playing with the little equalizer on there doesn't completely get rid of a bomb. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, all right, we we turned off the ray shield and we're done here. Let's go home. And like the second <laughs> they left, it just explodes. Oops. <laughs> Lachlan Morris wants to know if all of the Inquisitors were former Jedi or if some were found along the way. I believe all the ones we know of for now were former Jedi, uh, or at least Padawans like Trilla from Fallen Order. I, I, I wouldn't put it past them, though. Like, we still don't really know how many Inquisitors there even are. Like, they could go up to, like, the 50th brother and sister. Who knows? I, I don't think that if they were to come across some wayward Force user uh, in need of guidance, and they were just like, oh, why don't you just come with us and join our little gang? Like, I don't see why they would not do that. Yeah, no, I, I was trying to think of like, okay, well, if they were just found along the way, that would mean that they were just four sensitive people. And I feel like it would be tough after Order 66 for someone who's four sensitive to just be like, yeah, sure, I'll go kill people. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> give me a cool outfit and a cool red lightsaber. Spinny red lightsaber that's also a helicopter. Yeah. Yeah, sign me up. <laughs> I mean, if you were a Force user and you enjoyed the Empire, like, why not? Um, I think that just originally it was about finding disillusioned Jedi that would uh, want to attack their brothers and sisters. Um, mm. But like we've seen they all get wiped out by the end of Star Wars Rebels. So at least as far as we know, like I wouldn't put it past the Emperor to still be recruiting if he could. Yeah. Crafter Anonymous asks, what our favorite opening shot of any Star Wars film is? I think it has to be A New Hope, in my opinion. That is the most efficient storytelling. Like right off the bat, it's like you get your crawl. And then, I mean, even though I was... I don't know, eight when I saw this. This was in the 90s the first time I saw it. And it, that shot just still holds up where you're like, oh, a big ship flew by. Oh, that's a bigger ship. It's still going. Like, it's <laughs> so long. And you immediately understand the relationship between how small the rebellion is compared to how big the empire is and what a David versus Goliath story this is going to be. Yeah. So I think that shot is amazing. I, I guess mine is kind of similar I don't know. I, I'm going to say Last Jedi because it's cool how they, again, you kind of like go in like a full speed zoom in through all these different ships and then you're just like thrown right into the action. Like they're trying to evacuate and, you know, then we get the scene with all the bombers and stuff. It just throws you right into action sequence, which yeah. I like. Well, that's I the only options i see here are a new hope the last jedi and then I, my second would be revenge of the sith uh because that one has like a nice long extended opening shot mm -hmm. uh the rest of them i feel are fairly generic where it's just like you pan down or up in attack of the clones case and you see a planet and some ships and off we go well i was gonna say my second would be probably rise of skywalker with mustafar yeah just I mean, seeing Kylo take down people in a rage. Yeah, well, that's great, but it's not the opening shot. That's an opening sequence. What's the opening shot? It just pans down to Mustafar, and you see a Star Destroyer. Well, 
<laughs> they're, they're, yeah, like you said, they're all pan up or pan down to a planet. And well, I guess, are we counting Rogue One? Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess so. I, I kind of forgot about those, but that one's just like space. Yeah. And Solo's kind of cool. Like that one is very unique because, yeah, it doesn't start in space at all. Um, but I, I think A New Hope, The Last Jedi, and Revenge of the Sith are the ones that actually do the most for storytelling purposes right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Revenge of the Sith's opening shot is awesome because it's a long shot following Obi-Wan and Anakin through this huge fight. Where it, And at first it starts as like a generic like, look, some ships and a planet. Look over there. Oh, it's a big battle. And yeah. like, that's probably the most exciting of the opening shots. Well, since you mentioned Solo, I... I can't remember the exact opening shots of any movie right now to save my life, but what, so... It's like him hot-wiring his speeder. Yeah. So you see, like, flashes of his face and his hands and stuff. Okay, but then... Ooh. That one's definitely... That's probably the most unique one of all of them. That one is really good, too. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna move that to my second favorite. Okay. <laughs> this video is brought to you by Audible. Audible is a leading provider of audio content and is a service we use all the time because we go through a lot of Star Wars audiobooks. The novelization for The Rise of Skywalker just came out this past week, and it's the perfect time to listen to some audiobooks while we're all trying to be safe and healthy and socially distant. We love all the Star Wars audiobooks because they're big productions with music and sound effects, so it's like listening to a movie. You can get all the canon Star Wars books right now by visiting www.audible.com slash Star Wars Explained, or by texting Star Wars Explained to 500-500. If you sign up for a free 30-day trial today, you'll get a credit for one free audiobook of any price and credits for two Audible originals. Once you get an audiobook or audio drama, it will always be yours. You own that piece of content even if you cancel your membership, and if you get an audiobook you don't like, you can swap it out thanks to Audible's Great Listen Guarantee, which gives you up to a year to exchange an audiobook you didn't like for one you're excited to keep. That offer lasts for as long as you remember. You can get The Rise of Skywalker novelization today, and all the other canon novels have audiobooks as well. If you've been wanting to get into Star Wars audiobooks, now is the perfect, risk-free time to try. So visit www.audible.com slash Star Wars Explained or text Star Wars Explained to 500-500 and start your journey today. On to YouTube questions, Swordman asks if we think Din Djarin will wield the Darksaber in Season 2 of The Mandalorian. I don't think so. I don't think not yet. I think Baby Yoda's going to. Oh, in Season 2? <laughs> yep. I mean, that would be the chaotic thing. That's the last shot of season two. It's just he's got his hands on it and everyone's terrified. <laughs> I don't I don't think Din's gonna get it yet. I think that uh that's gonna be something that he has to work towards and earn. I do think he will wield it by the end of the series. Maybe there'll be a scene where he is like holding it and he, he has that thought and he, he like gets a chance to wield it and he chooses not to. Mm. And then he tosses it to Baby Yoda, and then Baby Yoda. He's <laughs> <laughs> if anything, Bo-Katan. He's like, I'm not worthy. But you, you are. You are. <laughs> You're the true Mandalorian. How's it do? <laughs> <laughs> um, I-, I think that we could be in a situation where, uh, like in Iron Man 1, when uh, Rhodey looks over at the other Iron Man suit, and he's like, next time, baby. Mm. I think... Din Djarin will have that exact line 
he'll look at the the, the dark saber and then he'll look at baby mandalore or baby yoda and go next time baby <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I mean i kind of agree i feel like with everything they set up with the mandalorian in season 1 he's he's just not the super heroic person that we thought he might be and i i don't see him just like coming to save the day with the dark saber I, I don't think he will yeah think that he is worthy yeah. uh but over time i think that's what we could be working towards and i think that's a great arc for the show of having this foundling someone who wasn't a natural born mandalorian so to speak mm-hmm. become the embodiment of what it actually means to be a mandalorian it would be really uh, <laughs> just inconvenient if he had to keep the Darksaber because then he'd be hiding both Baby Yoda and the Darksaber from everyone who really want those two things. That's true. Moff Gideon <laughs> would be furious. Like, you have both my favorite things. <laughs> like, I'm not going to stop hunting you. Ruin Jeremy wants to know if you can only see the Force ghosts of people you knew while they were alive. Doesn't sound like it because of the Rise of Skywalker novelization. Uh, So Leia gets to talk about more of her training and talks about uh, speaking with Obi-Wan. And she saw Obi-Wan, but she didn't know him. Well, does the novelization say that she heard the voices or that she saw? Uh, I don't think it specifies I th- I, I'm just at still at the beginning part, so I think it just says that she heard their voices. So I don't, yeah, I don't know if she would have seen those people as force ghosts. I think she would have. Like, I, I think that it's more up to the force ghost, what they want to do. Like, they might as well be all powerful beings. And like, everyone always asks at the end, is Luke the only, uh, at the end of Return of the Jedi, is Luke the only one to see those force ghosts? Yes, and I think that's their choice because they don't want to freak everyone else at the party at. Like, <laughs> everyone looks over like, oh my gosh, there's ghosts here. And yeah. one of them's Darth Vader. Well, and also, I, I guess this may or may not count because it's in the world between worlds, but Ezra sees Yoda. Eh, Yoda wasn't dead yet. So I think that's different. But like, still, it's it's the force. Like, I, I don't think the force is limited by, like, who you have and haven't met in your lifetime. Like, yeah. Ray didn't meet any of those people she heard. I don't think it's a step too far to have her see any force ghosts in the future. Caden St. Pierre asks, where all Luke's students got their kyber crystals? Yeah, I think there's, like, a misconception that Ilum and Jetta were, like, the only two places that had, had kyber crystals and... They were the big ones, uh, but yeah, there were more places. Lothal was known to have kyber crystals. Yeah, I I just assumed wherever it was that Luke's temple was happened to be like those places, and maybe there was a cave of crystals. Yeah, so I, I imagine that the reason maybe they even chose that planet is because like, oh, there's a kyber crystal cave right there, Yeah, and we can do our own little gathering. Either that or Luke's been hoarding them. I mean, he has been searching the galaxy, so he may have come across some lightsabers or some some various sources. Yeah. 
Nicholas Wellscamp wants to know if the Jedi will be flashier with their use of the Force in the High Republic. Ooh, I hope so. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I kind of like that question because from what we've seen, yeah, they're they're a little more out there. Like, look at us in our fancy robes and our fancy lightsabers with all these different colors. Yeah. Uh, and we've talked about how maybe all of those colors are some sort of signal to us to show that they aren't the way we know them to be in the prequels. Like, yeah, we're a little showier. And so maybe they're going to like be using the force to show off in front of normies or something. Force juggle. Yeah. For kids. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like we see the Jedi's outfits slowly turn into just boring robes from what they looked like in the High Republic. So yeah, I don't see why they wouldn't be just using the force more openly. Yeah, like I could see them doing things that uh, the prequel era Jedi would be like, oh, you shouldn't do that. Like, that's against the code. You're being too too much of a show-off right now. Yeah. Fighting Falcon 777 asks if the Knights of Ren could appear in the High Republic. I thought that was an interesting question. Um, in my head, the Knights of Ren are a more modern idea. Like... I always thought that the Aftermath trilogy uh, was suggesting that the Knights came out of the Acolytes of Beyond, but that never really was confirmed anywhere. So that was just kind of like something that was stuck in my own headcanon that doesn't have to be true. The Knights could be a very old organization. I do think, now that I think about it, the Knights of Ren are very similar to the Nile. Kind of, yeah. They look like space marauder pirates yeah like they do seem very similar and i don't know why i still get this feeling that they are more modern like it, it feels like they're coming out of this time where there are no jedi there are no sith but they're baddies and they can use the force and so they made their own thing but like they have a lightsaber that they kind of worship called rin that's why they're the Knights of Rin, but also their leader is called Rin. So it seems like this one guy just made up all these rules. And yeah. It's like, I'm Rin, this is the Rin, and we're <laughs> called the Knights of Rin. And it's very confusing unless you've read the comic. It's still kind of confusing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of Rin being thrown around. <laughs> and so that makes me think that this Rin dude was just like, it's all about me. And Was he the original Knight of Rin? That's what we don't know and i kind of get the vibe that yes he was the first and then he went recruiting so i'm gonna guess that we will not see the knights of ren before the sequel era but that's just all based off of a hunch like i think there is room for me to be wrong and that the knights of ren to be a very very old thing that's all the time we have for questions today. If you want to leave a question for next week's video, just put it in the comments below or sign up for Patreon to join our weekly Q&A discussion. If you haven't already, please like this video, subscribe to the channel, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And as always, thanks for watching. May the Force be with you, and we hope you all stay safe and healthy out there. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block because there are drinks then there are drinks from mcdonald's 
Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.